sixth graders, or sixth graders, I'm sorry, I've just done a sixth grade trip for three days. I got sixth graders at my mind. Okay? Ian, who played piano for us. Thank you, Ian. Wasn't that great? Do we enjoy Ian? Yeah, all right. Ian, he was on the trip. I tell you, he's not the anointed cherub you saw up here on a sixth grade trip. Oh, I'm just teasing you, buddy. He was great. He was absolutely great. But the 12th graders, we have a few of them here, graduated, at least for the MCC group, and uh, they used as, uh, as, as a significant quote, and it's well known, but I don't have it memorized, but you've all heard it, the quote about, don't follow somebody's path, but go where somebody hasn't been and leave a trail for others to follow, okay, to come after you. Well-known quote. Well, some 2,000 years ago, somebody else left something where they did blaze a trail for others to follow. He contemplated it may be one of the most oft-quoted statements ever made because for 2,000 years it has been repeated by literally millions of people around the globe. Luke chapter 22. Luke describes this night when an itinerant preacher who'd created a, enough of a stir within the city of Jerusalem and the surrounding areas that the, uh, the religious leaders wanted to get rid of him. The governor didn't need any more problems, so he went along with it, even though he saw no reason by which to kill this man. But they're going to sentence him to death the next day and within 24 hours from the time he says what he said, he will be gone. The group of 12 men he has around him at the table that night will be in absolute confusion for a couple of days because everything they had put their hopes in seems dashed. Until... That first Sunday morning when they find that the tomb is empty. And the world has never been the same. Is there any quote more significant than we read this? He took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. We have spent the last two Sundays that we were together focusing very specifically on something which Dave will put up for us now, something called a tabernacle. And it's only by understanding this that we can understand this quote. Because where we were in the book of Hebrews before, we learned about the fact that the priests in this tabernacle, they go into this, this first part of it on a regular basis, but only once a year does the high priest go in here after special offerings that have been made. And then we read this in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 8. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all, the way into this area, okay, the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered. 
So it was symbolic. We pointed out that that word symbolic means parable or is the word parable. It was telling a story. There's something significant about this. What I'd like us to consider in understanding that parable now, to add just a little bit more to our understanding, is here's what the parable was saying. You recall we pointed this out last week when Adam and Eve were sent from the garden. They were sent out, out of the presence of God, out the east gate. The cherubim was placed there, blocking the way. Their way back into the presence of God was now blocked. They didn't have access into his presence some many centuries later, God now raises up Moses, leading the people out of Egypt, and he has them construct this tabernacle, the outside screen. This is an actual structure that is covered right here, and there is this veil right here that separates these two segments of the tabernacle. And you see, this is labeled as the altar of incense right here, and, and Revelation speaks of incense as reflecting the prayers of God's people. Now consider this. Via the sacrifices brought here at the gate where the people could not come in, there was a whole priesthood that was in place that could then bring the sacrifices in a little further and could do all of the ministrations within here and could light the incense. But here's what you have. Here's the parable you have the people kept out of the presence of God yet while this tabernacle still stands. So they're represented by a mediator, a priest who comes in and symbolically they stand waiting, waiting for access back into the presence of God. And that's what it was like while the tabernacle was standing and even into the time when this tabernacle, once they're settled, years after they're settled into the, into the promised land, understand the tabernacle becomes a permanent structure known as the temple. But it's still set up on the same, on the same floor plan where it's divided by a veil. And you'll recall when Christ was, would be crucified now, within the next day he's going to be crucified this veil was torn from top to bottom, signifying that a way now has been made back into the presence of God. If we don't understand the significance of the tabernacle and what it is teaching us to say when, when we read this quote that this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you, we don't understand what it's talking about because this is the first tabernacle with its laws and its promises and it is of the first covenant. That's what was there now. That's what stood indicating the way had not yet into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. But we find out in verse, when we jump down to verse 11 now, and I want you just to listen. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come. Not what was, but what is to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. It isn't an earthly thing that Christ was involved with. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, with his own blood. He entered the most holy place, the most holy place, once for all. But not in the tabernacle, you understand. This is in heaven, where this is depicted for us, as he entered the most holy place, because this is just a picture of what is in heaven. 
He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, and that's a lot of things which basically said before the priests could do what they did here, there had to be all of this, this uh, sacrifices of the animals and certain ceremonies to purely make them ceremonially clean so they could do what they needed to do in the presence of God. That's all it could do was ceremonially cleanse them. If it does that, if it sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, the outside, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God? Because remember, the problem with the priests were they were as sinful as we are. But Christ, when he came, he offered himself without spot to God. How much more shall he cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? For this reason, he's the mediator of the new covenant, which is what he just said earlier. He's the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. This is what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. When he spoke those words, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. Think of this, friends. Think all the way back to your understanding of what happened in the garden. Think all the way back to that time when God promised when they fell, when they rebelled, and they ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. At that time, God said there would be one who was born the seed of the woman. He would be the deliverer. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. God promised that literally millennia prior to this event. And now Jesus speaks these words. And he declares when he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. What he is declaring is this picture that has held true for about 15 centuries and has told a parable for about 15 centuries, is now about to be fulfilled. And now that promise that was made many centuries prior to when this was put in place, but it all followed along, is now arriving at the time where God is going to fulfill that promise. And the outcome of, the, of that promise is an eternal, eternal redemption and an eternal inheritance. So it is no longer something that only has a temporal aspect to it. We mentioned going through this, how the priest came and they went. They, they served for a time. They died. You have to replace them with somebody else. They came, they went. They came, they went. Nothing eternal happened here. In fact, all that this did is on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would bring in, place upon the mercy seat, that one time a year he would place blood upon the mercy seat, which would cover, just cover, the problem of their sins from the previous year so God could continue to minister in their midst. But it never got rid of it. It never paid the price for it. It just covered it until a further time. And that night, beyond what his disciples could possibly believe and understand when he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you he was saying to them twelve men surrounding him he was saying to them it's time
God is going to fulfill the most incredible promise. God is going to fulfill the most amazing thing, that which all mankind has been waiting for, a way out of the brokenness, a way out of the darkness, a way back, a way back into the presence of God. And it's all dependent upon Jesus Christ and offering his spotless blood on our behalf. And so as we gather in a few minutes, we remember this, that God has been working out a plan of redemption and that that earthly tabernacle is purely telling a story that this plan is still being worked out, but access isn't there because we're still stuck outside the veil until Jesus offered his blood. He offered it in the true tabernacle in heaven. He offered it so that this veil could be rent and we now have access to God. We have an eternal redemption. God has purchased us back to himself and we can receive the promise of an eternal inheritance that Jesus Christ has has and is laying up for us. Things in heaven that matter. Things in heaven that will not fade away. That's why Amber sang spoke about treasures in heaven, right? That's what we got. Jesus, Jesus is going to see to it that they're there. What are they worth to us? This is the song with the question asked of the song. But do we see it, friends? Do we see how significant it was? These words that we quote so often, because they're being quoted today around the world in literally thousands of churches by millions of people. This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. Those aren't empty words, friends. Those are that next magnificent phase in God's redemptive plan. And you and I, if we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, you and I are the magnificent recipients of that and it is a gift of grace. It is nothing that you and I have earned. Could I, could, did you do anything good enough that, you, that Jesus ought to that deserved for Jesus to hang on a cross on on your behalf? Because I sure haven't. I'm the one who belongs there. And yet he said, I'll take your place, Gary. And he said it to each one of us. That's the magnificence of this new covenant. For the way has now been made. We've been purchased by God for all eternity. We have an inheritance prepared for us for all eternity which does not fade away, the scripture says. It's not defiled, neither does it fade away. How magnificent is that? So we're going to start distributing these elements. I'd just like to try and remember to encourage this. Dear friends, I don't know everyone here, and I don't know where people are at, and you could have fooled me for the last 23 years that that you're a believer. But the elements are for those who have come to that place where they understand that, yes, I've needed Christ and I've trusted him. So as these elements are passed, will you please reflect upon this? What we have been learning bears eternal significance that Jesus Christ went into the tabernacle not made with hands. He offered his spotless blood for us. 
We're just going to remember that. We're going to enter into that, and we're going to thank him for that. And maybe we're going to wrestle with the challenge that was given to us by Amber about, Lord, how much do I really value this? Do do I really consider this significant, or is this time just another one of those things we do because it's church? So that's just something to think about. The other thing that I ask people to think about, um, again, not knowing where people are at, if you've never come to a place where we understand, oh, Jesus, oops, God, Jesus Christ made the way. He, he tore down that veil so that now there is access by his perfect sacrifice. If we've never responded to that, we might want to ask the question, why? Why would we be resisting such a great gift? Or maybe we haven't understood it and we're understanding it now for the first time. If we are understanding it now for the first time and we embrace it, may I encourage you simply, this is all that it takes. It's to transfer your confidence from yourself and the dead works that the scripture we read about talks about that somehow I'm going to do enough things to get right with God to no, I have no hope of being right with God and myself. All my works are dead. Instead, I'm transferring all my hope in the person of Jesus Christ. The one person, the one place, the one thing revealed through the centuries, the only thing revealed in scripture as capable of an eternal redemption and eternal inheritance. It's him. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to quit doing dead works. I need you to be my Savior, and I now trust you. Please come into my life. Make the changes that need to be happening here. But I'm giving up those dead works, and I'm placing my confidence in you. That'd be a great decision to make today, friends. If you make it today for the first time, let the elements be yours. Join in. It'd be magnificent. If you haven't made that decision yet, then I encourage you to let the elements pass. Nobody's going to judge you for that. Let the elements pass and just reflect on where you're at with the Lord and what else needs to come into place here. But God says that the angels in heaven would rejoice today if somebody who never met Christ before today made that decision. We have a magnificent Savior. And I trust after having this much time to the tabernacle, we understand a little bit better how God has been calling to mankind through the centuries that he wants to bring him back into his presence if man will but listen and respond to the magnificent grace that he is making available. Father, thank you for the magnificence of Jesus Christ as we reflect upon him now, as we reflect upon this new covenant, this perfect work, May our hearts be receptive to all which you are seeking to speak to us as individuals, Lord, because you'll meet with each one of us individually in these moments. May we listen with new ears to hear again your grace and your love whispered into our lives. And may we respond with gratitude and a desire indeed to live for you as you shape us into Christ-likeness, in whose name we pray. Amen.